not too long ago, I remember being very envious of the people that were working from a coffee shop. Every morning, I would go to Starbucks in Irvine, California when I was at my last job as an employee, and I was envious of those people who had carved out their own little piece of the world in that Starbucks, going about their day, working on their own businesses, having that freedom to work from a coffee shop whenever they wanted, and it appeared they seemed to be doing what they love. Now, whether or not that was the case, who knows, but that was the kind of lifestyle I wanted, and if only... I had had something that would help me really solidify my own business idea. See, I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know where to start. And I didn't feel like I had a good idea of what I would do. So I took the hard way. It took me a while to figure out my business idea. That's another, that's another podcast. But what I did was I went ahead and I created the business action guide, which will help you solidify a compelling business idea in six simple steps so that you can start pitching to your very first client starting this week. So go to hollynoll.com slash free, grab my free business action guide and get started with solidifying your business idea. Your clients are waiting for you. Welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, episode number 18. Hi, I'm Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with everyday entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I am really excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Muse Lokaichkova. Yes, Lokaichkova. I love her last name. It took me a few times to practice saying it to be able to get it right. But anyway, Muse is on the podcast today and I'm excited to tell you a little bit more about her. We met in a mastermind group over the summer. And I immediately was like, whoa, what she teaches and what her business is, is something that I just don't know anything really about. And I want to learn more about what she does. I want to learn more about her and I want to learn more about her journey. So when I started learning more about Muse's journey, I was fascinated and I thought, oh my goodness, she has to come on the podcast because I think she'll have a lot to share with the listeners um, that listen to this podcast. So I'm excited for you to hear more about what Muse has to say. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. Muse is, a, and, and guys, hang in there. We talk about business and it's just not all lady parts. But if you if you are offended by like certain little words when it comes to talking about female gynecology or female anatomy, just beware. But I encourage you to keep listening because there's a lot of gold, gold, gold in this podcast. Muse, she's a licensed acupuncturist and a body worker, helping female bodied folks find ease, health, and power in their pelvis cycles so they can live to their fullest capacity as the change makers they are here to be. She has 15 years of hands on clinical practice serving unhappy customers of modern gynecology. Oh God, I've so been there. Integrating up-to-date scientific study into a holistic and inclusive model of gynecological care that elevates our body, our minds, our heart, and our soul. So let me introduce to you today, my dear friend, Muse. 
Hey, Muse. Good to hey. see you. Thanks Thank so you for, for joining. Me. Yes. Thank you for being here on the Everyday Entrepreneur. You are one of my favorite everyday entrepreneurs, if <laughs> if I will. You know, just for the audience and the listeners out there, you and I, we met this past summer in 2020 um, through a membership group that we were both in for business owners. And we formed a little pod of other business owners. And I've really just loved getting to know you and learning more about your life, your business. And that's what I'm so excited to have you share today with, with the listeners. I think you have such a cool story. So let's dive in. Ah, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about you and like your colleague, you're, you're in Brazil right now. Um, and I've always been really fascinated by, wow, I have a friend that lives in Brazil and it, you know, it, our seasons are always opposite. So when we're talking, it's cold for you, it's or cooler for you. It's hot for me and vice versa. Right now it's February and I'm in a sweater and you're in a sundress. <laughs> yep. So tell me, just tell me about really like your journey, like back us up to you graduated college and like, what did you do next in your career? And like, how did you get to where you are today with your business? Well, okay. I have taken a very non-traditional path. I was very, I still am very um, rebellious in a lot of ways. Like I want life to be awesome. And the ways that I find it not awesome in culture and the way that we've structured society, I just Sometimes I'm just like, oh, no way. I can't do that. So I actually didn't go to college. when I, I graduated high school when I was 17. Um, I had gone to community college for my last year of high school. So I graduated with college credits at 17. But then I did not go to college then because I saw all the people older than me going to college and just getting drunk and partying. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just started working. I just started working random jobs. I moved uh, to Cleveland, which was the nearest bigger city to where I grew up. And I started, I worked at the art museum and I worked at the children's museum and I just needed to get out and be independent. But I very soon realized that there is a huge gap in women's health care or female bodied health care because I got into my first serious relationship at 17 and 18. And I was totally dissatisfied with anything I could get from the gynecologist, basically, like the information I could get about my body, the options for birth control. I was just, and my rebellious self just believed there must be a better way. So I did my own research at the Cleveland Public Library, which is an amazing library, and they have a ton of books about the women's health movement in the 70s. So I learned a ton about our cycles and uh, how to avoid or achieve pregnancy just with tracking our cycles and DIY gynecology. And I got super into it. So in my early 20s, I was already a few years into that DIY study. And I had, um, I had other people around my age coming to me, asking me questions a lot. And then I got a bodywork treatment, a massage from one. Okay, let's see. At that time, I was mentoring with a professional midwife, actually, who taught gynecology at the midwifery college at one of the midwifery colleges in Oregon, where I lived, because <laughs> I had already moved out of Ohio. By so then. somehow you left Ohio and went to Oregon. Yes, 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 I did. Okay. <laughs> um, and she told me about this massage that repositions the uterus and is useful for any kind of 
pelvic health problem. And I went and got this massage and it was just so mind blowing. I felt so different in my body right away. My uterus had been tipped to one side and I had never had painful periods or anything, but it just blew my mind. Like I could tell immediately that this was a super powerful technique. So I went to massage school for a year to be able to provide this kind of body work. And then I practiced as a body worker for 10 years. And then I went to school, but I didn't get a bachelor's. I went straight to get a master's in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. (laughs) Yeah. Forget the bachelor's, just like fast track yourself straight to just what is, what is it you need to do the things you want to do? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, if I could go back, I would have gone to college right out of high school for writing and journalism, photography, art, like I would have done something like that. But at the time I was just really disillusioned with everything, basically. I'm, I'm less anarchist now, but I still have my rebellious ways. So anyway, I got into my profession doing hands-on pelvic health care, just from my own desire to have more agency in my own health. And then as I started practicing in in my bodywork practice as a licensed massage therapist, and then as an acupuncturist, I just continue to see how much need there is for us to understand our body and have a lot of tools available to us beyond the tools that are also helpful that we can get from the gynecologist. Mm. What question for you. So what made you decide that it was Chinese medicine that you needed to go get your master's for versus like you know, maybe a traditional route of like, I want to go to med school and be a traditional Western medicine doctor. Like what was it about the Chinese medicine route that appealed to you? And why did you, why did you go that way? Well, when I was in massage school back in 2005, I started taking some of the Chinese uh, bodywork classes And my teacher was so amazing and just did a wonderful job explaining the poetry of Chinese medicine in uh, how, in exploring how the human body is a reflection of nature, that all of the movements of nature also exist in our body. And when there is illness in our body, we can also understand how to take care of that illness and come back into balance by studying the movements of nature. Um, It's also one of the oldest medicines that we have a very extensive recorded history for. So I was really enamored or enchanted, I would say, with that greater cosmology view. And also, I to this day have never worked with an MD who I have just thought was so awesome. I'm sure there are so many. I'm sure there are so many awesome MDs. (laughs) But I personally have never found one who's really inspired me. And I haven't, I mean, I've tried to get assistance with a few different things in my life, you know, from Western medicine. And this is not to say, this is not to diss Western medicine at all or conventional medicine. There's so many important, powerful, life-saving tools. We need Western medicine. But there's a lot of big gaps, like how Mm -hmm. to really create vibrant health. And, and sustain vibrant health, how to attend to our nervous system and our emotional health and the calling of our soul, you know, to, to calling us to what yes. we're here for. You know, like our physical yes. health, it's not just physical, it's tied into everything. So I just don't see conventional medicine addressing that yet. So, you know, med school only teased my attention because I think it would be so cool for me to be an OBGYN. <laughs> yeah, I'm inspired. I would want you for my doctor. Yes. <laughs> Well, and and I think that Western medicine, my experiences as well, have been 
like I get my hopes up, like, oh, this is gonna be a great appointment. I'm really excited to meet this new doctor. And I just walk away feeling, I always walk away feeling a little like just, to, well, totally unsatisfied because they have 10 minutes to spend. You're under pressure. You have, you have like to get everything out immediately. There's no time to really form a, form a relationship or like have a discussion or brainstorm. And also I feel like it's so reactive. Like there is no like proactive, like how do, how do you achieve vibrant health to your point earlier? How do you what are practices and things that people can be doing to stave off disease and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, versus like, Oh, you have a disease. Now we need to react to it. Like there, there just seems to be this, it seems to be very much in a reactive mode from my personal experiences and the physicians I've seen versus like, you know, let's talk about what are your goals? What do you, what do you, where do you see yourself? Like, you know, kind of like a, a career chat, but this is a health chat. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Like, what do you, what kind of lifestyle do you see yourself living? How can we make sure that you're, you know, doing all the right things to stay healthy? Like I'm in my forties now, like I'm sure the precautions and th- and care that I need to be taking with my body is different than it was 10 years ago when I was in my thirties. And so I just haven't found that yet as with an, in my experiences with an MD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, same. It's a limited model uh, in modern medicine. And it's what we call in Chinese medicine, the attacking and purging school of thought, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like we identify the thing that's wrong and we're going to attack it and fix it, um, which was, you know, in the long history of Chinese medicine, it was a part of the development of Chinese medicine to have that kind of orientation. And I do not remember which era this happened in, but it was a while ago. But um, yeah. I hope that in our lifetime, we see mainstream modern medicine become more holistic, treating the whole person. And I think it's possible, especially with the new findings in epigenetics, you know, scientists and researchers are finding that trauma really is carried in our body intergenerationally, which is huge. You know, it's not just the physical illness, it's emotion, it's our mental constructs, our mental narratives. It's all of us. It's everything. Passed down from generation to generation. Lucky us. <laughs> so, okay, let's back up. All right. You're in Oregon. You, you finished Chinese medicine school and you have your master's. It was bodywork school in Oregon. Then I lived in New Mexico and opened a private practice there. That's when I started my private practice in 2008. And okay. then I moved to North Carolina to do my master's in Chinese medicine. Oh, okay. Oh, so many things to unpack I'm a here. mountain dweller. <laughs> so many things to unpack. Okay. So body work in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Then you went to New Mexico and opened your own private practice. What type of practice did you open and why, why did you feel like you wanted to do it there and at that point in your life? Let's see. Okay. So 2008, I was three years out of bodywork school and I had worked for a couple different places when I lived in Portland, Oregon, which were okay, but... I, again, am a rebel. I don't like anyone to tell me what to do. (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) So I'm not a great employee, honestly. I mean, when I am fully on board to help someone with something, I am the VIP assistant. Oh my goodness. And every single wedding that I've helped put on, an event I've helped put on, like I am on it. But for an extended period of time, like I get bored, I get restless, I need to be doing my own thing which I think at that time I didn't, I don't know if I could have put my finger on it, but it was to explore what's possible with hands-on medicine, what's possible within body work, not just massage as a relaxation technique, but how can we use our hands 
to invite healing, true healing uh, that occurs on all levels. So my practice was very focused on pelvic health because, you know, right out of massage school, I went to study that uterine moving massage that actually came from Belize. And so I was practicing primarily that and then shiatsu and tuina. So those are from the Orient, uh, Chinese medicine. What is shiatsu and and tuina? I've heard of shiatsu, but for those out there who who don't know, including me, what are they? Shiatsu is a bodywork form from Japan and tuina comes from mainland China. So there are a lot of variations within these two broad terms, but their bodywork modalities that work with the channel systems of the body. So in Chinese medicine, we look at the human body as a collection of basically currents that flow through us. There are well springs and uh, riverbeds. There are waterfalls. You know, there's places where our life force is moving through us with different frequencies um, and different like volumes. So Twina and Shiatsu are both, they're less like gliding, oily kinds of massage, and it's more about putting pressure and rocking and percussion, and specifically, we're traversing these channels. The channels are where all the acupuncture points are. So if anyone listening has had acupuncture, any acupuncture point lies on a channel. (laughs) Okay. So we're tapping into, say, the stomach channel system, which governs not just the stomach organ, but everything that the stomach governs. So the stomach is said to be the general of um, the the rotting and ripening of food. So we receive food into our stomach and the stomach processes, uh, you know, what we eat into usable chi or life force. Oh, fascinating. And okay. I, you know, of course, now I'm like, I want to go down this path and I want to learn more. But <laughs> let's continue with your journey. And you were in New Mexico. Then you decided to go to um, North Carolina to get your master's. And what was what made you decide to do that and, you know, take that next leap? I'm guessing, yeah, I'm not going to guess. What made you decide that and, and take that well, next leap? Well, back when I was in massage school, I fell in love with Chinese medicine and I was ready to try to go to acupuncture school then, you know, I was ready to go get a master's or a doctorate in Chinese medicine then. But my teacher said, hands on medicine is the first medicine, hone your skill of touch first so that when you use needles, your needles can be an extension of the skill you already have in your hands. And I'm so glad that he really impressed that upon me. And also, I don't think that I would have had the patience or wherewithal to make it through a four or six year program at that point, honestly, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> a little too, uh, you know, revved up in, in that point of my life to sit still for that long, basically. By the time I actually did go, it just felt like, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it. And at this point, I could have already done it and finished, <laughs> you know, I'd yeah, already right. Thought- about it for enough a year years, ago you wish done it a couple times already <laughs> my one of my favorite quotes a year ago you will wish or a year from now you will wish you have started today uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> with, with pretty much anything okay so you're there and how many years of schooling did that did the does the masters take how many it was how four years okay it was four years and two and a half of those were full-time clinical practice um practicum I should say and it was it was a good program. 
Okay. And I worked as a body worker that whole time. So it's really interesting because I started from scratch in New Mexico. I didn't know anyone. And I pretty, like within a few months, I had what I felt like was a full schedule. So I was seeing between six and 12 people a week, which, you know, is a pretty big span. But yeah. for just starting out as a body worker, that's awesome. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had a very consistent practice until I moved to Asheville and the same thing happened again. It was just a few months before. And again, I moved to a place where I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not, I didn't know anything about business (laughs) and I wasn't intending to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. I have just up until a couple of years ago, I just thought, Oh, I'm just a practitioner. Like I didn't even register that I was running a business, but over time I definitely learned some things like, to take a lot of time and craft wording on our website that feels like it really represents the essence of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just brainstorm ideas of how to generate more clients and then I would do them. I would put in the time to do them. Like I once wrote a bunch of professional invitation for referral letters to different, you know, uh, holistic or, uh, you know, medical practitioners telling them about my practice and what I could treat. And, you know, I think I yielded like two responses from that mission of maybe 26 letters, (laughs) but I still had a big wave of incoming clients. And that was back in New Mexico when that happened. And I realized, oh, it matters that I really put in the work with my heart, that I'm really putting it out there, what I'm doing and calling people in. And maybe the exact marketing technique I'm doing isn't going to yield the results, but the results will come because I'm still putting in the effort. Another quote that I love too is, don't be disappointed by the results you didn't get for the work you didn't do. Uh-huh. Um, and and just you describe, saying that in before we started recording, we were talking about like your most recent launch, which we'll get to um, more about your business in a minute. But you, you know, you you have a business now that's like flourishing and in a time of COVID where you hands-on work is, you know, nearly out of the question probably. And I'd love to hear more about how you're handling that, but like, you're still able to have a thriving, prospering business because you're doing the work. And, and even without like some of the traditional ways of reaching out and building your business, you're doing non-traditional ways because you're (laughs) (laughs) non-traditional and, and you're still building a business. And so I think, you know, for listeners here, people listen to this podcast because they, they want to start a business. They want to learn how to start a business, you know, what's worked for other people, what's, what's not worked for other people. And I, I love that that you said that is you you put your heart into what you were doing and we're kind of it sounds like you were guided by your intuition to send these letters and to really just rather than using your head so much, you've used your heart to grow your business. Tell me tell me more about that. Like how else have you infused this in your business other places? Well, all of my work hands-on and now distance is around how we can fully inhabit the fullness of who we are. And we can find our way into that by connecting with our body, like actually inhabiting our physicality. So a lot of my my guidance comes from my body. Like (laughs) I was just telling you before we were recording that I just launched a course for the second time. I've never launched anything. I just did my first two launches in the last six months. And I don't love launching. Like I just, it's not that it's, you know, because there's a difference between 
work that's challenging and really kind of grindy to get through, but it's really rewarding and it feels like the right thing to do. And then there's just when our nervous system is like, no, that's mm-hmm. bad. Like, I don't want to be around like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, mm-hmm. right now I'm, you know, getting messages from my nervous system. Like, I don't like this launching model that's so that that's so big in entrepreneurial world, especially in online, you know, business world. So I don't exactly know what to do with that information, except that, well, I want to investigate other models. Noted. <laughs> yeah. In my it, business. I, this it's so interesting because over the past week, I keep getting kind of messages in different ways, like be in your body, listen to your body, get it. I heard it yesterday when I was doing my Peloton workout from my Peloton teacher. I just heard it from you. I talked to a, I had an intuitive reading yesterday and the woman said the same thing to me. And so clearly I'm supposed to, I think these are messages that I need to be more my body if I were to take something from all of this. And if, you know, probably listeners out there have heard this phrase as well, but what does it really mean to be in your body? Like, does it mean you have to sit in meditation 24 seven? Does it mean like, like, how do you know when you're in your body and why is it that important? Why, why does it matter? Well, when we're in our body, we're free and we have full agency. So being fully inhabiting our body to me means literally our life force is present. Our consciousness is present in all of us. So like as we're sitting, you know, each of us can just turn our mind's eye internally and see like, can you sense your belly? Can you sense your pelvis? Can you sense into your pussy. <laughs> you dropped one. it. The P word. <laughs> I mean, you know, I work in pelvic health. Yes. Uh, oh, I've heard you. I've heard you and read read many, many posts. I am not afraid of the word, but I love it. I mean, I've learned about the nervous system and how to inhabit our bodies through doing hands-on work with people's pelvises. It's like yep. when... And, okay, let me see. This is such a huge uh, ball of wax here. Big question. (laughs) So many of us cut off our sensing and our emotional feeling from our pelvis because a lot of things are really painful. Life is really painful. We've all experienced things that are really hard, traumatic even. And if we're not able to process all of that emotion in the moment, we disconnect from it. And we just like wall that material off into one area and often get gets locked somewhere in our body that then we don't have full access to. And I find this all the time in the pelvis, all the, all the, all the, all the time. And not surprising, you know, I see people who are coming in or, you know, coming to me, not coming in anymore because I don't have an office at the moment where (laughs) I have received people onto my treatment table. But, you know, I work with people all the time who are coming to me because there's something wrong. Like there's some imbalance in their pelvis. So our job is why, how, how is our life force not flowing all the way through our root? I like to, you know, we can just ask like, do you feel alive in your whole body? Do you feel connected to the lower half of your body? Do you feel connected to the ground? I like to say um, being grounded is a literal a tangible experience. It's when we literally are connected to the ground with our life force. Like we are human beings on 
the face of the earth. <laughs> like we actually exist here, not in our head, not, you know, evading the many challenging things that we have in our life, but we actually are with them. And it, it takes practice and it's not easy, but it is so liberating to be able to develop our emotional literacy and work through the things that have really hurt us so that we can unlock the places in our body that, that are no longer um, holding our essence. Does that make sense? I love that. It does. And, and I, and I'm going now to a place of like thinking of like times when I know I'm not in my body, you know, it's times of like high stress or being anxious about something that might or might not happen in the future, worrying about something that I need to get done that I have no idea how to do it. And I know that, you know, yeah, or I don't have the time to do it or the energy, but I know I, you know, all the shoulds or whatever, any kind of worrying, any kind of like not being present, usually just, I guess, like if I were to generalize times of high stress. So how for many of us, especially for the past year, like operating high, operating in high stress has become the norm. So how do we, are there ways that you could recommend that are like kind of ways to catch ourselves when we're in that moment to, to just stop and be aware and then turn that situation around. So we are more grounded and we are more in our body so we can make our decisions and operate from a more, from, from our, from our true self versus this heightened state of stressed out self. Like how do we, I think the first step is just being aware. And when it becomes the norm, how do you like break the cycle and just become aware? Like, oh my God, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard. It's a muscle that we have to work out. Like it's not a light switch that we just switch and we're like, oh, I'm just super present now. No, (laughs) it's something that we get to work with. Does not work that way. Over and over. So just acknowledging like, okay, because we can, okay, if we're going to start to be aware of when we're not feeling so connected, you know, we have to be okay with not always feeling awesome. Like there's this myth in our culture that we should always be feeling awesome, but we aren't ever like, it's not even possible, you know, like it's just, there's this huge stigma against feeling depressed or anxious or sad or grief. Oh my gosh, God forbid we feel grief or express grief. Wow. I remember I watched A Star is Born. uh, Yes. Oh, God. When it came out. And I was so wrecked by that movie. Like I stumbled out of the theater and just like broke down on the sidewalk sobbing. Like I was just like, there is so much pain in the world. How are we going to be okay? Like how are humans going to be okay? And I was just feeling all of it because I practice crying. Like I can cry like that. Like I can move some grief, (laughs) but like I have really like worked to embrace that over the years. And it was so disturbing to this woman who walked by, like she did not know what to do. She was like, are you okay? Like, you know, she was beside herself, you know, like, so anyway, just to back up, like in order to be aware of our internal states, like we need to just keep deciding over and over again that it's okay to go through things that are hard and it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel things that are hard because it's just the only way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then once we, you know, are on board with that, each person, each person's body has a really distinct way of communicating when something's not all right. 
you know, like our nervous system will tell us. For me, I feel tightness in my throat. I feel a pit in my stomach. Mm-hmm. I start to sweat. I, I feel my breath get kind of stuck up in my chest. My breath yes. doesn't like move all the way through me. For some people I know, like they start to feel pain in their jaw or their, their shoulders start to scrunch up. And, you know, I think that the shoulder scrunching and neck pain and, you know, pain around the back of the head and headaches, those show up like when perhaps we haven't caught the the big emotion in the moment. Like we weren't able to realize like, oh, there's something really happening right now that I'm responding to. And then a little bit later, we start to feel really wacky in our body. So I think everybody listening can think about the ways that your body tells you that you're not feeling awesome. <laughs> I, I feel it in my stomach for sure. Like this goes back to like the day before like art class. I had a horrible teacher art class and I used to get a stomach ache the every day before class because I didn't want to go the next day or every night wow. before. I, yeah. But like even now, like anytime, like I have dread or anxiety or just like feeling just stressed out beyond belief. Like, yeah, it's the shoulders, but for, I think where I feel it in my body is in my, my gut. And Mm -hmm. so that sounds to me like the first step to, if someone wants to start, just be more aware and like a quick, like reality check, like, let me get back in my body is just to notice how you're feeling physically. Yes. Yeah. And then what? Yeah. So anytime you notice that something is contracted or holding, just exhale. And so Anybody who's taken yoga, when I say that, will start to do yogic breathing. That's not going to be the most helpful thing. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. Ujjayi breath. <laughs> it, it's an amazing technique, and it's it's very um, it can be very regulating, but it's also a way of controlling. So you know, we might use that kind of breath where it's like we're inhaling and exhaling with like we're really trying to make everything very even that might be helpful if we're in a situation where we don't feel safe to really feel our emotions fully but we do need to feel our emotions fully feelings are for feeling and what is buried alive never dies (laughs) so if we do not feel our feelings like we will continue to carry them like we will carry that baggage in our body and our nervous system and we want to be free of that. So we have connection so we can connect with our creative, our creativity, you know, yeah. like what we're really here for. So exhale, just make big sighs. <clears throat> when we have a lot of dramatic sighs in the middle of the meeting. Oh, don't worry, guys. I'm just feeling my body right now. <laughs> I can't even tell you the number of people who have randomly commented to me. You sigh a lot. And I'm always like, well, I'm feeling a lot of things. (laughs) So anybody listening right now, just take a big breath and just sigh it out. (sighs) (sighs) It's so good. I mean, we literally open a doorway and turn on the fan. And look at us like laughing and having a release about it. (laughs) Our breath ventilates emotion. It's so simple, but it's not easy because we have to feel the emotion to actually move through it. So, but it's worth it because on the other side, we are liberated from that baggage of just carrying around the emotions yes. that we didn't feel. So Washing I feel rinse. like we, we just kind of talked through like a tool. So I'm all about the tools and takeaways here because, you know, mm-hmm. I want people to walk away with some value, which, yes. you know, of course. So like the first step and just kind of, so it's important to ground into our bodies because how would you finish that? sentence to feel grounded well, because, in our bodies uh it's important to ground into our bodies because life sucks if we don't 
Okay. Like literally. Like and because we're <laughs> it's a way to bring us into the present moment and yes. connect with our yes. with our true self, right? Yes, we can feel who we are, mm-hmm. what we're here to do, how we can do it, and like what are the logistical steps that I need to take right now in my day? Like how can I live to my fullest right now and later and after that too? You know, and like we all of that instruction lives in our DNA. It's in us, but we so, can't access it if we're just stress balls and you no. know, cutting ourselves off from all of our trauma, basically. So when we're feeling that stress and we know we need to ground down and get back into our bodies, we then notice where we're feeling the contraction or tightness in our bodies, right? Yeah. And then yeah, always, there's always a message in our body when we are in a contracted emotional state. The body will always show us. So what are your body's indicators? That's the clue. That's the, uh, you know, invitation to just let go with your exhales and go outside, mm. go outside. Yes. Plug in your nervous system to the greater network of nature. What if it's, um, let's see, what is it? Seven degrees. I mean, I'm feeling a little challenged to go outside these days. How can I work around that? Put on some, some, put on some <laughs> big girl long underwear pants. War- warm clothes. Even... <laughs> Oh, I know. And I think for people that live in cold climates, it, there is something called like, you know, the winter blues and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the seasonal depression because, you know, there's less light of course, but then it's also like, it's supposed to be in this, you know, single digits for the next five days. And I'm like, geez, that's a bummer, you know, but I know how important it is to get outside. Yeah. So yeah, even, even short amounts of time work, yes. I'm guessing, right? Yes, definitely. And just on a very logistical note, merino wool. Merino wool mm. is how to not be cold. Totally. <laughs> merino and wool, underlayers, and socks. <laughs> long underwear, silk. Oh my God. My mom bought me some and I was like, oh, silk. It's like the thinnest material ever. What do you mean it's warm? Oh, oh, it's warm. They're oh, my yeah. favorite, favorite long, long underwear that I wear underneath like anything when I ski or go anywhere. So, all right, Muse. So get outside I mean, and then it exhale. For the entire month of November a year ago here. And you know what? I walked my dog twice a day, every day. And I'm so glad I had a dog because if I didn't, I would probably be really resistant to going outside. But it helped yeah. me so much. It yeah. helps so much to be in nature. All okay. of us, wherever we are, even if we're in a very urban setting, there is always wildness. There is always nature around us. And even when we are feeling our worst, if we can connect with nature our body, our nervous system can be reminded that there is always hope. There is always the the seed of hope in every leaf, in every twig, in every seed, in the soil. It's all around us. Oh, okay. So notice the <laughs> tightness and tension in your body. Get back into your body by taking a deep breath and just sign out. Like these are simple tools. Lots of big Get exhales. outside. Lots of big Lots exhales. Lots of big exhales. Lots of big exhales. Um, that might be the title of this podcast. Lots of big exhales, like even going into the bathroom, shutting the door for five minutes and just doing that and getting into nature, like all super simple tools that are totally so free. Simple. But I think it begins in the awareness because there's so, so often I just am not aware. I, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not aware. I'm just dealing with what's right in front of me. I have like 
I probably have like a heightened, you know, at times, although I, I work very hard at this, I, you know, there are times when I have a heightened state of stress that just becomes like, oh, this is normal. This is how I should yeah. feel or how, how I, you know, this is not a normal feeling when it's not. And so I think just capturing that moment and, and celebrating I always like to add a celebrating step too, like celebrate the step, the, the fact that you caught yourself being stressed <laughs> out once a day. Like if you, if you caught yourself in that moment, like one time, you know, every day that's going to add up and make a big difference. And so like, we don't always have to be living in the state of Zen, although, you know, maybe that's no, the Holy grail. Possible. I don't think, right. I, think I, I don't know how. <laughs> like, unless you like live in a room with no, and don't have to deal with it. I, I don't, even that would be stressful. I don't, I can't describe this scenario, <laughs> but like, even if like, yeah, small wins, baby steps, like ca- catching yourself in a heightened state of stress or um, anxiety or whatever it is once a day, like that, that would add up and become habit forming, right? Yeah. The, the catching. Yes. Every single time we notice our body, every single time we decide, like, I'm just going to let go of my breath over and over again. Like, that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to do right now. I'm just going to go outside and, you know, take a short walk. Yeah. It builds resiliency. It, yeah. it, it all, you know, it's, um, it's a medicine we can make for ourselves that amplifies itself. It multiplies itself within us because it gives us more bandwidth to encounter, to navigate things in the future. You know, because we exercise that muscle. We did a good workout. (laughs) We did a good workout. Okay. Well, wrapping up, I want to get back to North Carolina and then understand like, how did you get to Brazil? Okay. So you, you were in North Carolina and then like you, you, did you have a private practice there? Like I did. I worked full time while I was in school. Okay. I had a very structured calendar. I had every single possible treatment availability slot marked out in between my classes and clinic shifts. And I saw as many private clients as I could. Um, And then I took really good care of myself on my like one or two days off. Yeah, (laughs) I I imagine that was a lot for you to take on going to school full time. It's a lot. Yeah. So then what happened next? Did you decide, how soon did you, after that, did you decide to move to Brazil? Well, when I graduated, I graduated with my master's in 2016 and I had a feeling I needed to do some more travel. And I've always been really in love with the Portuguese language, specifically Brazilian Portuguese. I had been to Brazil in 2010 for three months and I traveled around and I loved it. And so it was kind of in the back of my mind, but I was, I had just got out of school. I was ready. I, you know, I did my, I took my board exams. I got my license, you know, I was more focused on practicing. So I practiced for a whole year full time when I finished school, but uh, then Trump got elected mm. <laughs> and I just couldn't, dun, dun, dun. I was yeah. like, I mean, I really, I was like, I can't be here. Mm-hmm. And that also was on a nervous system level. I was just like, this, it felt so stressful for me to have mm-hmm. a, a known verified sex predator and just mm-hmm. all around asshole being, you know, mm-hmm. in this position of power doing so much damage and damage. The news just amplifying everything. It just felt so heavy and inundating mm-hmm. that I just, I was like, I got to go. Yeah. And then I Fuck came here this. and I started dating my husband. <laughs> <laughs> You asked about swearing on the on the podcast. I'm like anything goes, and I feel like this is an f this moment. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. I, just, I, I know. And you know, speaking of nervous systems and just like calm, I think a lot of Americans 
pre-COVID, we've, we've lived under a heightened state of stress. My friends and I have talked about this. We have lived under a heightened state of stress for four years because yeah. of like the 24-7 news cycle, because of Twitter, you know, his access to being able to broadcast and spew evil and and like just like waking up and being like, God, what happened last night? And yeah. so I think that although it feels small at the time, like reading or hearing a quick soundbite or a story about what what he did, I think that weighs on us. And, and you add that up and it compiles and compiles and compiles. And like, all of a sudden we're just living in this state of like, God, what, what next? And, and that, that is so draining. And, and so I hope, I hope everyone this year can take a collective sigh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole world, I feel like the whole world has exhaled with the exception of a few, probably, you know, or not even a few, but a lot of people are don't feel the same way, but won't talk about them. But I think just like looking at 2021 as a new slate and time to exhale overall is, yeah. And so back to your story, (laughs) back to you, Muse. Um, Okay. So yeah, you, you were like, you were one of those people who actually said, I don't want to live in this country and actually move. Yeah. And okay. I mean, for anyone who's aware of Brazilian politics, Bolsonaro is at least 100 times more dangerous and more vile than Trump, which is hard to imagine, but it's true. And so it's not like I came to some Eden, but it is actually paradise because I live in a very rural area in Rio de Janeiro state. I'm three hours from uh, Rio de Janeiro, the city, but it the, the culture is very different here. I still feel the weight of his administration here, but it's not so incessant everywhere all the time. I mean, I think if I was still living in New Mexico, I might be able to have a similar experience. Like I might have had a similar experience in the Trump presidency as I feel here where I'm far enough removed from kind of the hubbub and the infrastructure in Brazil is, is weak. You know, there's the very, uh, it's very malleable. So people local communities really depend on each other in a way that doesn't exist in the U.S. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter who's president here because when it comes down to it, each local community is helping one another survive, um, which I love. Um, But just to say there's definitely, you know, I'm feeling a lot of levity from the shift in the U.S., in, in U.S. politics now, even though I'm still here where economically and, you know, the healthcare system, things are, are rough here for sure. And you mentioned you met your husband. I know he's yes. a, a Brazilian babe. <laughs> so you guys met like after you decided to move down or had you already known each other oh. before? Well, I met him at near the end of my first three month visit. I always would come in three month stints because that's what my passport allowed. Your visa, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met him at the beginning. No, I met him at the end of 2017, the first time I came to this region. And I came right back. I went to the States and I was just there for a few months and I came right back because I really felt connected to, to the land here, to community. So it was that second visit that we started dating. And then by the third visit, um, I decided to move here. So the fourth visit, I actually moved here (laughs) over two years, over two years dating long distance. Wow. And you've lived and it's, you've been there now since like, how long have you been there this last time? How long have you lived there? 
Uh, I came in September 2019 permanently, and I've, I went back to the States actually to do a couple work tours at the beginning of COVID. So I landed in Ohio, and a week later, everything closed. So it was very interesting timing. But um, yeah, so just to rewind, like, yes, I am one of those people who actually left the country, but I didn't, I was back and forth a lot. I was also in Europe for several months. I tried to stay out of the U.S. a lot, but I also was back and forth working um, up until September 2019. Well, Muse, it's been so great having you here. Tell us a little bit about your program and and what you, how people can find you online and like if they want to work with you, like what are the options right now just from a distance? How, how could someone like sign up for a session with you or enroll in your course or like what do you, what do you offer right now? Yeah. So I do distance consultations for anything pelvic health related. Um, literally I work with a lot of people who have already been to a traditional gynecologist and have not been satisfied with the answers that they've gotten, or, you know, they haven't found a solution yet to what they're wanting. I also work with folks who have had trauma, uh, you know, and are wanting to reclaim their pelvic space or, you know, deepen an intimate relationship and work through prior sexual trauma. Um, and I do distance consultations through my website, which is medicineofthefeminine.com. And I have a few different options for how to do, how we can start working together. I also just added a super quick 20-minute consult. Uh, oh. like, I'll do a free clarity call for people who think they want to work with me, but you know, we can decide together you know, which option is best for them. But I just added a quick 20-minute consult if people actually just want to ask me some you know, tangible questions before they sign on. Like a pick your brain for 20 minutes yes. kind of thing. Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I have a free clarity call and then a paid 20-minute uh, consult as both of those are really brief, quick ways to meet me and see if it's the right fit between us. And then I have a course. I have one course called Sovereign Vagina, which I just closed enrollment to yesterday, but um, I'll have that again soon. And that uh, Sovereign Vagina course is on my website too. It's all about uh, the basic set of tools that I work to give every single female-bodied person I work with. So ways that we can take care of our vulva, our vagina, our pelvic floor, all the things that I feel like we should know at 16 and 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> <laughs> basic uh. user manual information for the female body. Which, of course, the majority of us who are, you know, now in our 40s or late 30s are, I don't know, I probably still, majority of women still do not know. I mean, it's never too late because it's right. so empowering and it's so liberating. It's going to change all of your future, all of our future, you know, gynecological appointments so that we can have and an the awesome conversation with a gynecologist. Imagine. Yes. And have <laughs> the right conversations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, everyone, go visit Muse's site, medicineofthefeminine.com. It's .com, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, medicineofthefeminine.com. It's a tongue twister. And <laughs> and, te- and get, book a consultation. Get your questions asked. Like, work with her. I, I'm i like, now I'm like, oh, you do all this? Now I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you for being here. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you'd love to mention or that? You know, I made a note here when you were talking about how easy it is to not realize that we're stressed. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we guard our personal time before we go to sleep and when we wake up in the morning. Like It's so easy to get inundated in tech and information and 
we're in this age now where we can just keep consuming. We can keep taking in, but we also need to let go and unravel and being still and quiet in our homes with our families, with our partners, turning off all the screens. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to have. Does a Kindle count? You know, I think reading is still taking in. I'm talking okay. about real unplugging time. Mm. Like I think music is probably okay. But even then, it's, we get so little stillness. Yeah. We don't have to meditate. If, you know, if that's something we're interested in, awesome. But it's not for everybody. But to have really restful time where we're not taking in mm-hmm. media, I think is very, very important for the health of our our soul and our nervous system. All right. Well, it's Friday here. And so I guess that'll be my Friday night before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> I mean, not doing much anyway these days on Friday nights. But thank you. No, I'm going to I def- light a candle, take a bath. Um, I was going to say, read a book. No, that's taking in. That's always my way of relaxing, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to be intentional about this and think about what I can do tonight to just really, I think I'll just pet my cat. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I love to just pet my animals and hang out and do nothing. Yeah. Sometimes, well, when it's, the weather's nice, we can go outside and enjoy the night sky if we have some, you know, beauty around us. I like writing too. I mean, yeah. I should say I like writing, but I do journal, which is not necessarily something I always like, but I make myself do it anyway because it mm. unwinds me in such a oh, powerful way. <laughs> such incredible messages come to me through my writing. I mean, I found that is my top way of connecting with um, the, my higher powers. Yeah. The higher powers is through writing. I've had some yeah. incredible breakthroughs there where I've been able to tap into source that I I didn't know existed. And so um, that has been, yeah, that's been a, a breakthrough I have, I've had since October. And I'm like, gosh, has this always been available to me? Um, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a different cool. subject for a different time, but yeah, it's fascinating. So Oh, thank you, Muse. What a treat to talk to you today like this. And again, medicine of the feminine, everybody. And thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. It's so wonderful to talk with you, Holly. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Muse, for being a guest here on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. It was my honor to host you and to learn from you. And listeners, I hope you took away some good nuggets of wisdom from Muse today. I know I sure did. And I know I got some homework, right? Like, oh, capturing that one moment before I start to slip into my heightened stress state or my heightened anxiety state, catching myself, taking a deep breath, sighing out, That will probably be my homework for the rest of my life. I don't know about you, but that's definitely the case for me. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I hope you learned something. And if you enjoyed our conversation, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you left me a review on iTunes. Let me know what you think. And also, last but not least, reach out. Let's connect. Let's stay connected. Muse can be found at Medicine of the Feminine on Instagram, as well as her website, which she mentioned in the show. And also, you can find me on hollynoll.com. You can shoot me an email, holly at hollynoll.com. And I would love to stay connected with you too. So until the next episode of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, thank you so much for being here today. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur. There are thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I'm truly grateful to you. 
Make sure to stop by my website and you can subscribe there to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love your rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. Finally, check out my free guides to starting a business at hollynoll.com slash free. And be sure to tune in two weeks from today for my next episode. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.